Welcome to another episode of the Two Shots Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Garcia. And on this episode, we're going to be joined by our good friend here and co-worker, should I say, Paul Garcia, who is a writer and a great uh, NBA analytical mind over at Project Spurs, which is an outlet that I actually uh, help out and work for as well. So, Paul, it's great to have you on the show. How have you been? I've been good. I, I've actually enjoyed the two days off to the Spurs. Went out the Spurs at the NBA game in the schedule. It's just been nice after a game almost every night or back to back. So it's been good to have two days off and and not having to you know watch a game even though it's it's so early in the season. Yeah, uh, get don't get used to it though because you know as the the season unfolds here, the the Spurs are going to get quite busy here uh, before the end of the year. So it's a nice little break. I got to say I've been enjoying it myself because usually you have one night off, one night mm-hmm. on. Then you have back-to-backs, and it was a nice little break, I got to say, you know, and I got to enjoy Halloween with the family, so all that was great. But we get back right into the swing of things again, talking San Antonio Spurs basketball. And we have some news that we want to share that broke over the weekend. I know that everybody uh, was really shocked by the, the Josh Primo news. So the team announced they waived Josh Primo on Friday, October the 28th. And again, it shocks Spurs fans across the, the Alamo City. And I know a lot of us thought that it was a joke at first, but unfortunately it was not. You know, it was being reported before the Spurs played their game against the Chicago Bulls that, in fact, this is what the team decided to do. Then on Saturday, October the 29th, ESPN, ESPN reported that attorney Tony Busby told them he had been retained by a woman who worked for the San Antonio Spurs and alleged that Primo exposed himself to her. Uh, Attorney Busby represented multiple women in the sexual misconduct lawsuits against the Cleveland Browns quarterback, Deshaun Watson. A press conference is scheduled for Thursday in Houston as attorney Tony Busby will represent psychologist Dr. Hillary Cawthon. Josh Primo did clear waivers on Sunday, October the 29th, and currently is an unrestricted free agent. And that's about all the news we have until Thursday. So if you like the graphics and overlays we're using on the Two Shots podcast, check out our friends over at Canva. They have everything you need to get started right away. And best of all, they are now offering a free 30-day trial to Canva Pro. You can take advantage of this offer by simply scanning the QR code you see on screen. Um, In other news, we're going to go ahead and talk about Keldon Johnson. Keldon Johnson was a nominee for the Western Conference Player of the Week. Paul, I got this directly off your uh, Spurs, tw- I mean, not your Spurs Twitter, but your Twitter account because mm-hmm. uh, he's a great follow on, on, on Twitter, so make sure you go and follow Paul Garcia. But, I mean, what do you think about this, Paul? I mean, that's Keldon, you know, getting getting in there with a bunch of, like, again, all 30 teams. This is this is an evaluation by the league each week. They they look at, you know, who's the Western and Eastern Conference Player of the Week. And the fact that the Spurs went 3-1 and one this past week, Keldon was their top player, you know, with Devin Vassell out for most of these games. Uh, and again, you just look at the numbers that he's putting up right now, 24, five, 24 points, career high, five rebounds, four assists. I mean, he's doing it, and the team is finding success. It's very early. But, yeah, that was good to see because, I mean, I hadn't seen a player for the Spurs in those Player of the Week nominations since DeJounte Murray. That was the last player who did it before him, uh, you know, DeMar DeRozan in the last few years. So, yeah, that's big, the fact that Keldon's now that, that new player that, the again, the league is taking notice when they're putting you in that in that um, play, nominee of the week kind of category. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, you know, Keldon, he uh, showed that he's an epitome of a, com- a, com- a competitor out there on the court. 
he got beat up against the Minnesota Timberwolves, tweaked his knee, tweaked his ankle, got knocked down more than one occasion, kept getting back up. Coach Pop sat him down. And I said, you know what, Keldon? I don't need my knee. You can have mine. You know, but he was a true warrior. He went out there. He competed. He did not stop. And he willed this team to victory. I think everybody was inspired just by looking at him and what he was able to do out there in the court. So it's great to see him getting some accolades and some some recognition here from other people other than just, you know, the home crowd here in San Antonio. And in other Spurs news, we do have a Spurs docuseries. It is uh, set to premiere today, November the 1st, as we do record this. Uh, we're on 9 o'clock, you know, on November the 1st. Uh, we still have not seen the docuseries. I assume that it will be coming out on Spurs.com or, you know, the Spurs social media channels. But basically what this docuseries is, it's about uh, the Spurs sharing 50 stories to celebrate 50 years uh, of Spurs basketball. And uh, this is going to be retelling stories from the team's past. And it's going to include some former players such as Tim Duncan, Manu Ginobili, Tony Parker, David Robinson, George Gervin, along with one Coach Pop. And I did see uh, that we did have a T-Mac sighting on there. So that was great to see as well. Are you looking forward to the docuseries, Paul? Yeah, I'm really, I mean, it's only been one trailer that the Spurs have put out on social media, but I've, I've enjoyed that trailer where, you know, you see Timmy get, get in front of the mic and he sits down with the, whoever's, you know, interviewing him and he's like, you know, this is going to be a struggle because I haven't done this in so many years, you know. And at first when he says that, it's funny because the first time I hear that every time, I think he's talking about the team, like it's going to be a struggle, like, you know, everyone thought these would be the tanking Spurs, even though they're not after all. But anyway, then he talks about his interview process. And so and so that's why um, I was just like, it took me a while to, to think because that sentence kind of drags on a little bit before. But yeah, I'm really excited to see that. It's always great to hear from Tim, Tony, Manu, Pop, um, you know, in this kind of light. That was one of the coolest things about that last um, championship that they won in 2014 was the three of them and Pop sat down together and they kind of like talked about some of their memories. And, and, and it's very rare that you get them to talk, you know, on, on camera and on mic uh, about those kind of memories. So it's, it's really cool to see. So I'm really uh, looking forward to that, that documentary series. Yeah. One of the things that I'm looking forward to, Paul, probably as you are as well, is the stories that we probably have not heard, you know, we hear little things here and there that they might share with the media, but there's other stories that have probably never been told or shared before. And and this is going to be a first for Spurs fans, probably some some really uh, funny uh, stories that are going to be shared, you know, from from former team member members. And I even saw Michael Finley in there as well. So that's a, a plus, you know, he played. Uh, a couple seasons here with the San Antonio Spurs. So it's always good to see a familiar face and, you know, one that Spurs fans nowadays might not be too familiar with. So it'd be interesting to see if they bring any other uh, former players that, you know, uh, helped the Spurs back in the day. So something definitely to keep an eye on. Okay, as we move forward here, we're going to go ahead and talk about some team injuries because unfortunately, unfortunately, we do have some injuries to report. It was revealed that Blake Wesley suffered a MCL sprain. First, it was reported that it was an MCL tear, but now they reported, they updated that report, and now they say it's an MCL sprain, and he did suffer that in the team's win on Sunday over the Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, it was first reported, too, that he was going to miss anywhere from six to eight weeks, but that has been updated as well. The Spurs have stated uh, now that they will give updates uh, and they're going to be provided as appropriate. So we hope that, you know, Blake uh, doesn't need so much downtime, you know, and that he does recover quickly and comes back better than ever because I know Doug McDermott had some great things to say, not only about Blake, uh, you know, Blake Wesley, but also uh, Malachi Brenham uh, after the game on Sunday. So 
What do you think this means for the San Antonio Spurs? They already are depleted, Paul. So who else do they got? <laughs> well, no, that's that's a big question. And this is something one of our, our writers, um, Matt Lerma from Project Spurs, mentioned in our Slack messages, our, our, you know, our private conversations with the staff. And and yeah, it's, it's, it is a good question. You know, are the Spurs going to sign someone? I, I definitely think they, they might because, one, they have a lot of cap room. They have $30 million in cap space. Now, they're not going to use that just to sign someone. You know, maybe use one or two million of that. Uh, but then the number two is that now with Primo waived and then now with Wesley Hurt, they don't have a backup point guard behind Trey Jones. They literally don't have a backup point guard. Uh, they don't have many guards. And, you know, just like the other night when they were down to like eight players, when Calden, when we thought that he might, you know, exit the game with an injury, they're really, they're really um, uh, limited in wings and guards right now, especially with, with the injuries across the board. So I, I do wonder, I'm kind of starting to check the transaction transaction log almost like every, every few hours um, the last few days, just because I do think that we're going to see them sign uh, another player just just to, again to kind of get through this wave of, of, of getting through this process uh, with Wesley now out you know again the Spurs didn't put a timetable but but their initial reporting was six to eight weeks um, and so that's why I do wonder too if they do sign someone would it be like a young player who maybe hasn't who hasn't really um you know shined in the NBA maybe they want to give him a, another chance a player who is maybe like a, like a former lottery pick and just didn't make it in this league so far or someone from like the G League or is it maybe like a veteran player you know bringing in another veteran to, to help out this young group considering that they're playing very well of seven games into the season. Yeah, that's going to be interesting, you know, and we were kind of having some fun earlier in the Project Spurs Slack uh, messages, and we were kind of giving our funny takes, and I said, maybe they need to bring back the OG, Jeff Ledbetter, you know, oh, but yeah, that's yeah. just me being silly, yeah, you know. This is, that's one of the team's strengths right now is three-point shooting. Yeah, and, you know, I'm just being silly. I'm, I'm not being serious here, you know, but, I mean, they're going to have to go ahead and look at somebody to kind of fill that position because – losing primo and then now you're losing uh wesley you know here uh, to injury as well you got to do something and i would assume that if they do sign somebody do you think it's going to be to a short-term contract like a 10-day contract and maybe extend that as needed uh, so it would probably be a non-guaranteed deal because they can't start 10 days until january um okay. that's just league policy right now but yeah i think for sure like a, like a non-guaranteed deal for now and like you basically that players on the roster until maybe wesley gets healthy and then wesley, once wesley's back if that player's kind of shown that he can he can be he's a really um in, integral part of the team they might keep that player if not they might just wave him so again i think that for sure like a non, non-guaranteed deal for the rest of the season might be something they look at okay so definitely something to keep an eye on and uh, also, you know, the injury report for uh, tomorrow's game against the Raptors, uh, the Spurs went ahead and did release this. And they're reporting that, of course, Devin Vassell is going to be out uh, due to his knee. Uh, we're going to have Blake Wesley out due to that MCL sprain. Keldon Johnson is questionable uh, because of his calf. That's what they have listed here. Isaiah Roby is still questionable. Illness, he was still, you know, fighting those flu-like symptoms uh, as of Sunday's game, and he did not play. Uh, Jeremy Sohan is questionable, too, because of illness. If it is because of flu-like symptoms, all I can say is San, the San Antonio Spurs uh, medical staff needs to administer some flu vaccinations, Paul. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I, I didn't catch that, that Kelton was on there. My bad, man. And I, I reported earlier, the Spurs sent it to me. And yeah, I this is, oh, they just right. updated that. Okay, that's, okay, no wonder. So this was a few hours ago. Okay. So, oh, wow. Yikes. If they lose Kelton, that's going to be, I know that they're, they're defined odds right now, but man, if they lose Kelton or not have him for like a game, that's tough. Maybe coach pop can go ahead and convince Manu to, 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 you know, don the, the Jersey one more time. <laughs> yeah, no, no, that's, that's, that's big. I didn't, yeah, that, that's very interesting. I, I didn't know Kelton was on there. Not, yeah, that's yeah. So the question is too, Paul, I mean, if, if they, they, they have people, you know, just keep on, they keep on adding Spurs players to the list of, of the injury report. 
I mean, at some point in time, if somebody else drops and, you know, they have another one or two players that are added to the list, I mean, technically they, they might be forced to forfeit the game if they don't have enough bodies uh, to start the game with. I mean, technically you have to start the game with how many people on the roster? Was it nine? Uh, you usually have to have a, uh, you have to have like, yeah, I think, I think, uh, I think nine is, is, is like the max. I, I don't remember, I don't recall, but I think they'll have enough. I think th- they'll be okay. Even if they lose these five players, I mean, the team would struggle, but I think they're okay. They'd be okay. I think that's also why, cause it, it was notable to me that when they did the initial injury report, they, um, they didn't put Dominic Barlow or uh, uh, Bassey on there. And so I do wonder if, if, if at worst, they're going to have to get those guys minutes tomorrow night. If, if like, you know, all these five players end up being out. Yeah, they, they're going to have no choice <laughs> at this point, yeah, you so, know. So I think they'll, they'll be okay as far as having bodies available for the game. Yeah. But yeah, as far as, you know, it's going to be a tough situation if both those guys are out. Yeah, so we're going to go ahead and move on to our next uh, topic here. And that's going to be talking about the numbers. Let's talk about the numbers with our, our good uh, friend here, uh, Paul Garcia. We're specifically going to talk about numbers where the, the team has excelled this season. And Paul, again, he's a great follow on Twitter. Make sure you go and follow him. He breaks down all the analytics for you. And he even has really nice little little charts that he works on here, you know? What do you call them? Your your Excel sheets, right? Your spreadsheet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, actually, my Google sheets these days, they yeah, used to be Excel years ago, and then now I went to Google, and I've just kind of been using that lately. Yeah. But yeah, he does the job, so I'm happy with it. Yeah, so make sure you go and um, follow Paul because he does break things down for you in a, a really easy-to-follow way. So, Paul, you, let's go ahead and talk about this first stat that, you know, jumps out at us. Uh, through seven games, the Spurs are top uh, top 10 in three-point makes, attempts, and accuracy. And that is something that has been surprising. And it's still early in the season. Mind you, it's only seven games. It's a small sample size. But it goes to show you that this the, this team, this young team, is starting to trend in the right direction. They're starting to correct some of the, let's say, the uh, the holes that they had in their offense last season. Uh, through seven games, they're looking pretty good. And I think that you could attribute, you know, some of their the, the three-point uptick uh, in percentages, attempts, and accuracies uh, to the ball movement as well. Because uh, yes. when I went ahead and saw some of the stats, uh, you know, earlier, they were still one of the top teams as far as assists goes. So that goes to show you that this young team is sharing the ball quite well. And I even said, very reminiscent of, of the beautiful game that was the San Antonio Spurs in 2014, you know, but again, small sample size. Uh, so can you elaborate a little bit more on, on this? Okay, so this is where I really want to talk about something that for years, you know, when, when the three-point evolution started to take off, the Spurs were always the one team who didn't want to do that. You know, they had DeMar DeRozan, they had DeJounte Murray as their go-to players. Those guys always take mid-rangers first. That's always been their thing. And so the Spurs, you know, last four years, they were always getting outscored by, by the, at the three-point line, um, you know, for the last four or five years, ever since, you know, they went to the LaMarcus Aldridge, DeRozan teams. Anyway, now to see this team right now up by, you know, they, they've made, I forgot the numbers, but they've made um, over 25 threes more than their opponents so far through seven games. The fact that this is a battle they are winning almost every night. Again, they're 5-2 and two right now. They're 5-0 and oh when they win the three-point line. And that's something they just didn't used to do at, at all in the past, you know, four or five years because their leading go-to scorers were, were um, you know, mid-range takers. There it was DeJounte and, and DeMar. And so, again, when you have Keldon, who loves to take three-pointers, takes almost nine a game, you have Devin Vassell, and then you have all these shooters with their ball movement, like you mentioned, Joe, um, you know, number one in assists per game as a team, number one in assist percentage. That is just like you're playing modern in basketball and then the fact that, that right now again it's a small sample size but the fact that they're going in at a top 10 rate is, is just really really why 
they're going to be successful again. If they have to hold that, if, if they if they end up sticking with good shooting all year like this, they're going to be a good team. Like they're not going to they're not going to be this this tanking Victor Wembanyama getting you know getting the top lottery pick on the team. No, they're going to surpass expectations. They may either get play in or even get um, a little bit hot, um, you know better than than, than a, um, you know toward you know in, in the in the playoff um, um, groupings there. But again, it's only it's only seven games, so that's the thing is it has to hold. But again, the fact that this team is that's one of their foundations is now like the three point shot is there for them. And they have good shooters. It's not like it's not like we're going to see Doug McDermott fall off. We're not going to see you know Josh Richardson. Kelton's an established shooter. Devin has shown that he can be an established shooter. They have a lot of players who um you know who 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 you know they, we don't expect them to have a huge drop off. I know that that the numbers are really high right now. But again, I think that that could be a formula for them. And if and if it is, then I'd have I'd have to say sorry to those that want to get Victor Wembanyama because the Spurs are not going to finish with like a horrible horrible record like we were kind of projecting initially. Yeah, I'm. I'm- I'm going to be interested to see some of the stats and we'll probably have to look at these, you know, once the, this episode's over. Um, but I want to see what's going on with transition baskets, you know, specifically what's going on with their transition threes. Uh, and not only that, but they have the ability now to knock down threes because they're getting their shots off a lot faster now, you know, and again, I attribute that to the ball movement um, because a lot of these uh, younger players now, they're attacking the basket, sucking in that defense. And what do you have? You have a player that's open for a right wing three or a left wing three, you know, top of the arc three pointer. And and those are things that you didn't see so much last season. So you're seeing great ball movement, great speed, and the ability for them to really take advantage of their attributes because they're a really young team, which is speed and athleticism. So something just to to keep an eye on uh, as the season, you know, starts to unfold a little bit more here. Another thing, though, through seven games, you uh, had also stated that the Spurs have made 25 more threes than their opponents. You know, I can't believe that they're actually taking more three-pointers than their opponents. That's that's wild to me because that didn't happen last season. What do you attribute that to? Is just them being more confident? Well, like I said, when your two go-to players are, our three-point shooters, you know, Devin and Kelton, that's a that's a remarkable difference. You know, they're not they're not that's part of their shot arsenal. And when you, when your two go-to guys are doing that, that's part of their shot. It, it definitely um, makes an effect on the entire team. Like everyone's going to be confident taking them. Trey Jones is taking threes now. Zach Collins, you know, is taking more 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 often threes. Uh, and so again, I think that that's that's a huge part of it. Again, their their leading go-to players in the past few seasons were Lamarcus, Demar Derozan, Dejounte Murray, players who do not, you know. I know they'll take threes, but again, that's not the, the, the shot they want to go to. Whereas Kelton, he's like, all right, give me threes. You're going to give me some three-pointers. I'm going to take them. Devin, same thing. These are part of their shot arsenals. And so that's what a lot of the, the you know, the, the good, the really good teams in the league have is a lot of their go-to players are three-point shooters. And so when you have that, it just makes a huge difference on a team. And again, that's why I feel like I know that the accuracy is really high right now, but, and, and if that falls off, well, then yes, they're going to, they're going to eventually come back to earth and, and, and be a struggling team. But if it doesn't fall off too, too much, then, then yeah, this team is going to be successful this season just because the fact that their offense is completely shifted and the fact that they're moving the ball, like you mentioned, Joe, they're very tough to guard and also um, just a three-point shooting. One thing that I want to ask, because um, I don't live in San Antonio anymore, um, you, you, you know, and so whenever I do go back to San Antonio, I, I do co- go cover some Spurs games. So whenever I go, go back and whenever I get to go to a game, I do want to ask a, a visiting coach, you know, is it harder to prepare for this Spurs team now that they don't have like an, a set all-star on the team? Because I think that's part of it is like, they don't know who to scheme for. Like usually, you, you know, you scheme for the best player on the other team, you know, who's the one guy that ISOs. And and even though Kelton's their top scorer, again, it's just the fact that like you said, Joe, everyone can kind of move the ball. They can drive, they can cut. And that becomes very difficult as a defense. You basically, all five players have to be zoned in and locked in all, throughout every possession. If not, it's tough because you'll fall asleep and the Spurs will, you know, they'll find a backdoor cut or they'll find a wide open corner three against you. So I am interested. I, whenever I, I go back to San Antonio, I do want to ask a visiting coach that question. Yeah, low key though, one of the things that hasn't been talked about 
uh, a lot, but I think it, it deserves some some attention here is Keldon Johnson and his ability to pass the ball. Yes. Uh, I've seen him being able to pass the ball really nice this season. You know, I think that has taken a leap uh, as part of his game, you know, this season. And he's making better decisions. And one of the things that I've seen him do, which is very smart in his part, is he's able to beat the double team. And sometimes even he's able to uh, beat the different looks that the opposing team's defense is giving him because he's going into what he wants to do a lot quicker. You know, he's making his decision. The only thing that I have seen that is a weakness here is when teams go ahead and press him before he even crosses the three-point threshold. You know, they come out and they get, they get to him faster and they try to get him with that trap. I've seen that sometimes that does work against him, you know, but his ability to go ahead and act quicker uh, than he was last season and again, to, to be able to pass that ball and make better decisions, it's just showing that, you know, there's some growth going on as far as his basketball IQ on the court. So I wonder if you've noticed that as well. Yeah, no, no. And I see that, too, in the numbers. One of the stats that I follow is called drives that the NBA provides. And he's number one in the team in, in drives per, in, in overall drives. He's got 77 drives right now, even more than the point guard, Trey Jones, who is who is with that's the player you would expect to have more drives. And so the fact that that's something DeJounte used to do, he was the number one player in terms of driving the ball. And like you said, Joe, he's setting up his teammates. He's learning how to run pick and roll. He's learning how to, how to use dribble handoff. And you're right. Sometimes the defense will pressure him and, and, you know, he gets stalled there in the half court and that's going to be something he needs to develop. But again, right now, the fact that this team has only had two crunch time games this season and they were both wins shows that, yes, they're going to struggle at times in the half court, but overall they're, they're executing down the stretch and they're getting things done to where the fact that they don't have to sweat out wins right now. Um, again, again, they've only have to go, have to go, have had to go into crunch time twice so far this season. Are you looking to upgrade your current live stream? Well, our good friends over at Nerd or Die have you covered. They have everything from alerts to customizable overlays and everything you need to make your live stream look its best. Go ahead and check out our friends over at Nerd or Die by simply scanning the QR code you see on screen. Yeah, so we're going to go ahead and talk about another stat here that kind of stood out at me uh, again from your from your Twitter account. And you had stated something here, you know, the Spurs over the last four seasons. And this is the Spurs in the three-point battle in the last four seasons. And you had stated in the nine, nine, 2019 through the 2020 season, they out they were outscored by 468 points uh, from the three-point from three-point range. Then in 20 the 2020 the 2021 season, they were outscored by 507 points from beyond the arc. Then we go into the 2021-2022 season, outscored by 201 points from three-point range. Then we're going into this 2022-2023 season. It's only seven games. Now they are outscoring opponents by 75 points from the three-point from three-point range from beyond the arc. I mean, their accuracy has been unreal. And I think that a lot of this too has to do with Coach Pop moving one Doug McDermott uh, to that second unit to really giving to really give this team some balance. Because if he had went ahead and inserted Doug McDermott, I think into that starting uh, front, uh, it, the balance might have not quite have been there. But because now he has more of his veterans playing in that second unit, it really balances out the whole team as far as the starting unit. Again, that dynamic coming off the bench. And, you know, some of these veterans being able to play on court with some of the younger players, I think that's just something that Coach Pop, you know, figured out and it's paying dividends this season. I've been pleasantly surprised by that, Paul. Well, how about you? 
No, no, that, that that's one key factor. The fact that you know Doug comes in, he's just like an instant fireball, just shooting shooting the ball. He's getting he's getting way more opportunity than than he would have had as a, in the starting lineup because you know again in there he's 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 letting Jakob take his shots and Devin and Kelton and all those kind of players. And so now he's like that instant spark that they need, and they need him to to be a high volume shooter, and he's doing that right now. Uh, and and then it, again that it still goes back to again your your leading shot takers are Kevin and, De- and I mean Kelton and Devin who take three point shots as part of their arsenal they're very comfortable with that shot and we see that in the early data I would also say their their defense um, you know it's a very small sample size but even their three point defense has gotten better the fact that last year opponents forty nine percent of their attempts were, were wide open against the Spurs defense right now they're only forty one percent of their attempts are wide open so they're running more teams off the three point line and so if you're limiting the opponent's three pointers by by your 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 top ten shooting team yourself you know you're going to be winning that, that that margin big time, and, and that's why. And again, when you when you're winning the three point battle in today's NBA, that's usually a sign of, of success for a team. And so that's why we do see again that they are undefeated when they do outscore their opponents from the three point line so far through seven games. I think that also attribute it's also attributing to the Spurs' uh, speed and their their youth right now. You know, they're able to go ahead and really spread the floor and run the the court really well because of that speed and athleticism that the younger core has out there. So I attribute it to that, you know, and it's it's early in the season, but yes, man, yes. you you got to be if you're a Spurs fan. I mean, this is exceeding expectations early. I mean, there's still a lot of basketball to play, and I'm not going to go ahead and, and and discount what the Spurs have done early on. But I mean, who any Spurs fan right now would have never thought that the team would be at the this point in the season at seven games at five and two. We all thought the the worst, you know, including myself that this team wasn't going to be very good. But, I mean, they are showing that even though they're young and inexperienced, that they're still going to go out there and they're going to compete. And like Coach Pop had stated, they just don't know any better. They're playing loose. They're having fun. Nothing but smiles out on the court. And I think uh, the big success behind everything this season has been team chemistry. I think right now their chemistry is a lot further along than some of the other teams out there in the Western Conference. And I think that's what we're seeing early on these other teams still haven't figured things out while the Spurs have already figured that out and they have a great team dynamic so I think that's probably what's attributing to their early success thus far what do you think Paul no I agree with that you can just see that you know the the assist the assist part definitely shows continuity amongst this roster I know that you know different players have increased roles but a lot of them a lot of these players are familiar with each other they they played the last two or three seasons with each other and so again they, they have that familiarity the fact that they're competing every night is is another reason the fact that you know if you're not, if you're not if you're not playing hard coach Paul's going to pull you out of the game and so other teams you know they're kind of like kind of settling into the season they're trying to get there and and you can tell playing the Spurs is not fun for them they don't want to have to execute every night and try to try you know try try to you know give it 110% that's not that when you see that the Spurs were supposed to be the worst you know record in the league coming into town you, you don't expect that and then all of a sudden here they are they're, they're playing so fast they're, they're making you tired as an opponent uh they're moving the ball like we mentioned um and then defensively they're just a lot more active now with these with these younger uh, quicker players out on the floor so I think yeah, they're definitely a, a surprise team for for opponents, and 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 again, it's it's a small sample size, but right now they have a lot of things in place that do show for for maybe long term success for the season. Yeah, either way, I think this team is just going to compete. You know, they're going to go out there, play hard, and compete. And whether that translates into a win or a loss, as a Spurs fan, you can't ask for anything more from this young team. You know, as long as they're competing and they're in the game, I mean, whatever happens, happens. You know, I don't have any expectations. Uh, for them uh, going forward. You know, I'm just going to sit back and I'm going to enjoy the season for what it is. You know, I'm not going to be so critical of the team. And I didn't plan on doing that this season because I knew 
it was going to be a growing season for them. There are a lot of things that this uh, young team still has to learn. But one of the things that we're going to talk about has been a surprise here. Since Devin Vassell has been injured, one Romeo Langford uh, has had an impact on this team early on this season through seven games. Coach Pop was forced to go ahead and play Romeo Langford again. He had to go ahead and I believe he had to start uh, this last game against the Minnesota Timberwolves. And I think that was what his only like his second start uh, with the San Antonio Spurs since he's been here with the team in that uh, Derek, uh, Derek White trade. Uh, and, and Coach Pop even said, you know, of Langford's defense after the game, he might be our best on ball defender. He just might be because he's got quick feet, he's got long arms, and he anticipates really well. And I think we saw all of those things happen uh, when he was out there on the court against the Minnesota Timberwolves. I mean, he's just playing outstanding defense right now in the absence of one Devin Vassell. Uh, what, are you th- what are your thoughts on Romeo Langford? I mean, just like what, what Pop said and what you said there, I mean, just look at what he did to Ann in that first half. Ann, Anthony oh. Edwards didn't score a point. Uh, he was really contesting every shot. He brought he blocked a layup by Rudy Gobert. He's he's active in deflections and steals. Again, the fact I think that he doesn't get as much minutes because there's so many other players in front of him in the rotation, and also uh, the fact that um, you know on, on the offensive end he doesn't really you know he does he doesn't, he isn't bringing as much yet uh, to the team, so they really can't you know they can't sacrifice that just yet. Uh, but but again, right now they're able to to have him whenever they need him in, in, in a position, and so he he does that. I mean, just one of the things I saw just yesterday when I was plugging my numbers is I have a model where I um you know I kind of get like a little defensive rating kind of thing, like I call it a defensive impact. And he out of all the Spurs' current wings and and um you know and guards, he's the number one defender on this on this on this metric where where he stands out in deflections compared to his teammates, steals, contested shots, blocks, not fouling as much. He's really good about keeping his composure and not getting in foul trouble. The only weakness was would be rebounding out of, out of all those stats. So again, he even statistically speaking, he's he's outshining his um his other his other the other guards and and wings on the team. Yeah, and you know, uh, uh, Doug McDermott even said something after that game. He said he's an unbelievable defender. I think his confidence is growing every day. You know, and and that's something that's clearly evident. You know, the more playing time he's getting, and I think the more that his teammates are believing in him and giving him praise and telling him he's doing a good job and then hearing what one coach Popovich is saying about you after the game, all these things are just going to go ahead and boost your confidence and make you play that much better. Uh, One of the things that he himself even said after that game against the Timberwolves on Sunday, he's like, you know, he's not really been known for his defensive prowess. And that's going back to his college days, you know, when he played for Indiana, uh, he even said that, you know, he kind of drew the ire of one coach, Archie Miller, for his lack of attention on the defensive end. And his quote Sunday after the game was, I ain't going to lie, he said, Langford said, he said, I really didn't play much defense in college. But again, I mean, when your team needs you and you're, you're a team player, you're going to do what you got to do to help your team win. And it's been asked of him to go ahead and go out there and play defense in the absence of Devin Vassell. And He's done a very admirable job, you know, so you can't say enough good things about Romeo Langford right now. It's, again, surprising. You know, who would have thought that this is happening? Not me. Well, just remember, <laughs> you and I had this conversation this summer. We, we all thought he might get waived because, you know, they needed to open yeah. up a roster spot. And 
And I think that's where, where that, 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 that's a lesson in, you know, don't, don't just, you know, make, make, make two quick reactions. And again, this is on my part too, because I was saying that too, is that, you know, he's, been, he's basically been injured since he got San Antonio. That was the one thing he definitely dealt with. And so even like last season, we rarely saw him on the court when, when uh, after, after he got traded from Boston. This season in the, in the training camp and stuff, like he just really didn't get a shot. And so we could tell though, the fact that Pop has this, this much praise for him that, maybe like internally and like in their open gym and their scrimmages and as a team, they knew he's a really good defender. Like they saw something in him and that's why they, eat, you know, they, they immediately were able to say, okay, Joe, Joe Wieskamp, we're going to have to waive you. We're going to stick with Romeo Langford. And we see it now that maybe the coaching staff and the other players, they've been seeing this behind the scenes, but us as fans from that are outside, we, cause we haven't seen him on the court. We maybe thought, oh, he's not, you know, he, he's just not never going to make it in the NBA. And sure enough, look at, I mean, the, the Spurs really like him. And, and it, this is really good because again, they can make him a restricted free agent this offseason. Let's just say he has a really good season for them, turns into a, a very valuable defender. Yeah, then they, ha- they, can, they, they have more control in terms of uh, being able to match an offer sheet if uh, another team offers him that in, in this coming offseason. Yeah, and best of all, I mean, Langford right now, he's a, you can say he's a very Spursy type of player, you know, kind of flying under the radar, yeah. just goes out, you know, and, and just does his job, you know, doesn't look for any accolades, really doesn't look in, looking for that fanfare or nothing. He's just a hard worker, you know, so the Spurs can get him, you know, at, at a at a discount. That's even better for them because we already know that the cap will be increasing, you know, uh, next season as what they're getting more money, I guess, from these uh, from these TV deals and whatnot. So that means that, again, teams are going to be overpaying for for mediocrity. <laughs> Some of these mediocre players are going to get their payday, you know. So as we start bringing this Langford uh, discussion to a close here, we're going to go ahead and, sh- and share our last segment, uh, news from our last segment here, and that's going to be NBA news. Uh, per Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN earlier today, the Nets did announce that they waived, uh, not waived, but they did fire their coach, uh, head coach Steve Nash, and have now uh, given the acronym of in- interim head coach over to Jack Vaughn. Uh, and again, this is just a rumor right now, but it's expected that the Nets will inquire about suspended Boston head coach Ime Udoka, along with one Quinn Snyder and possibly some others, some other uh, uh, head coaches, you know, that are, are typically looking for a job at, right now. Uh, I would actually assume that they would even be acquiring uh, the needs of one uh, Mike D'Antoni, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, let's face it, like uh, Ben was saying in the Slack, he does like him some drama, and he's he's all about the offense and no defense. So that might be a, a perfect fit for the Nets, you know. But what did you think about that? Do you think that that's something that they should have done last season? I mean, why did they wait to, what, seven games, five games to this season to go ahead and finally do that? It's yeah. it's mind-boggling. I mean, when the best player, Kevin Durant, asked for him to be fired, you know, remember the offseason when he wanted to trade? Like, it's that whole organization has just been, you know, you know, I don't know what's like dumpster fire is that the correct, the correct term? It's just been a dumpster fire. I mean, we have everything that they're dealing with right now. I don't know. I mean, if if, if I was Nash, I'd be like glad. You know, I, and if I was one of these coaches, I I really wouldn't want that job. You know, dealing with all these players and the way that you know everything that's going on, the all the off court off court drama for them. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah, it wasn't surprising, but also I, I just don't even understand why did you even let him, let him coach seven games when your best player wanted him out since before training camp. Man, that's not even including the Kyrie Irving debacle yeah, that's going exactly. on or. 
even the Ben Simmons. Uh, yes, thing. like hey, that's what I said. Dumps everything's just horrible. Yeah. I can't believe Patty Mills resigned there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think if, he, if in hindsight, if he could see the future, he'd probably be like, you know what, I should have stayed in San Antonio. It's not like last year was better. But James Harden asked for a trade last year in the middle of the season. Yeah, it's just I don't yeah. know. Yeah, he, he, James Harden wanna... was done. <laughs> you saw enough, Paul. I think we all have. You know, I think the Nets. Uh, the net season is going to be a long one. Let's leave it at that. <laughs> and uh, as we bring this this uh, episode of the Two Shots to a close, one bit of, of NBA news also. It's been reported that the Detroit Pistons, Orlando Magic, and San Antonio Spurs are threats to pry one Grant Williams away from the Boston Celtics per NBA in- insider Sean Devaney. Um, they will be in position to offer him reportedly anywhere the Spurs will from 17 or any other team, 17 to 18 million and maybe front load the contracts to scare off Celtics from matching. And that's basically what they're saying, not just of the Spurs, but also of the Pistons and the Orlando magic, the three teams that are interested in possibly acquiring his, uh, acquiring him, you know, uh, to play for their said teams. I mean, what do you think about this, Paul? And do you have anything uh, as far as the cap goes? Yeah, I mean, as far as cap-wise, the Spurs, cool. They could offer them that 17, 18 million, so have like 40 million available next season. They're going to have a lot of cap space. I mean, so so that that's so the money part isn't an issue for San Antonio. They could offer him, you know, a, a, a good decent deal um, next off season. Um, and then also, like like they mentioned, you know, they could if they really wanted him, they could front load the, the contract so that because he's a restricted free agent, so the, the Boston would be hesitant to match. So from the Spurs' perspective, as far as money wise, like this is yeah, they, this could this could be done very very quickly um, next off season. As far as his fit on the team, I mean, he could fit on this team if the, if the organization likes him. You know, uh, he can he can shoot the three ball. He's a, he's a versatile defender who you can put put in at the four, maybe it's some small ball five. Uh, I think it's really early in the season. We, we need we need to see you know who's still on this team, but by next year, I know that they have very. Um, they're going to have a lot of openings on this on this roster if they, if they let some players go in the offseason. And so, um, you know, he could he could fit fit there. I think Grant's a player that you can you can fit onto any team. And really, it just comes out it comes down to like the number. You know, are, you know, if you're the Spurs, you don't want to overpay overpay for him. You know, if he's not a player who's going to you know be an All Star kind of player down the road, he's more more of a role player. So, yeah, I mean, if they if they if they offer him at a, if they if they were to get get him an offer sheet at a, at a decent amount, uh, you know, it's not a bad move. He's he's a good player that could fit anywhere, I, I believe. Yeah, and one other thing too, uh, before we go ahead and bring this to a close, is there's been some rumors here that uh, Jakob Portal uh, might be uh, traded. You know, because some of the teams are are actually inquiring about when Jakob Portal, and and I guess they want to gauge what the interest would be from the San Antonio Spurs. But again, this is something that we go back to last year, and it was the same thing. You know, a lot of other teams are calling the Spurs front office to inquire what's the interest in, in the team trying to trying to move one Yaka portal. And, you know, when you're dealing with these types of rumors, they really don't have a lot of merit. But when you're hearing this going back to last season, and then we're hearing it again, and then we even heard it in, on the offseason in the summer, there has to be some something going on, you know, as far as maybe the Spurs – maybe waiting for an offer that they can't refuse. And I would, I would assume that might, might mean if a team is offering two first round picks, they're going to listen, you know, especially if they're unprotected first round picks, that's going to pique their interest even more. But I think uh, one of the things that we need to watch for though, is as the season unfolds here. And as we had mentioned before, as injuries start plaguing teams, they're going to get a little bit desperate here. And they might start calling the front office not only about Yaka Portal, but about some of the other veterans on the team as well, including Josh Richardson, you know, Doug McDermott, Zach Collins, you know. 
uh, to add Yucca Portal to that list as well. I mean, what are your thoughts on this? Are you surprised? No, I'm not surprised. One, because of where his contract's at. He's a, he, he is going to be an unrestricted free agent. So in a way, if the Spurs don't plan on having him a, a, you know, along for the future, then now is the time to trade him at this at this point this season because, again, he could end up walking to another team next offseason. Um, and and one, one good thing about this start for San Antonio is that all of their veteran players are playing very well. Like you mentioned, you know, Yaka Pertl's putting up 14 and 11 night. Uh, you got Doug McDermott, who's, who's a fireball off the bench. You got Josh Richardson playing very well. You got Zach Collins, like you mentioned. So, so right now, because of where they're playing right now, the, these guys, you know, their 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 um their trade trade value is very high in the league right now. And so you're right, you know, maybe I think maybe the Spurs are asking for two first round picks for Pirtle, and so they're saying, nope, we're not we're not trading him unless you know we we get you know, get get at least two two first round picks. And so I think that's going to be something to watch um as the um as the season goes along. If the team starts to eventually start struggling, then then maybe you know the trade value goes down a little bit, and because you know then they have to look at you know the future, and you know or we're not going to have Jakob Perto and Josh Richardson on the team most likely next season. So then you know, should we just look at a trade? Should we look at a trade in February? But something to mention about Perto is that you know he's he's an integral part of this team, like Coach Pop has said before. He's kind of like that that cornerstone for them right now at this point with this young group. And if they don't trade him in February, they actually have a time a period. Um, I think until June 30th to extend him. They can actually offer him an extension. Uh, and so again, they can then give him a two to four year deal, keep him around, being, being that anchor for the defense, that 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 kind of quarterback with the offense. So again, that's something to watch. Is I, I'm I'm not sure if they they don't trade him in February that he's actually going to be done with this time in San Antonio. I think that he's he's become a, a big foundation for this for this team. Yeah, not only that, but when you when you hear how he engages with the media here in San Antonio, he sounds like he's really content with uh, his progress and you know just staying here in San Antonio and just playing basketball under one coach Popovich, you know, there's great admiration uh, from not just Jakob Portal, but from coach Popovich as well. You know, he sees him, as you stated, as an integral part of this franchise moving forward, you know, and low key, Jakob Portal is a great center. I'm not saying that he's flashy and by any means, or he's the most most athletic center out there. He just does a lot of the things that have made him a really solid starting center in the NBA, so much so that I'm sure that other teams have noticed that as well. I would even go as far to say that he's at least in the top 10 when it comes to centers in the league. You know, he's a very solid piece and he doesn't make a lot of mistakes out there. And he can pass the ball quite well. Great in the pick and roll situation. Has a little left hook, you know, (laughs) that he can go ahead and, you know, put in his arsenal. Great in the paint. Uh, You know, solid rebounder. Can get some steals and blocks. Uh, and, you know, his little pick and pop action out there is also something that makes me uh, smile every time I see it in action, you know. So he's a very smart player, you know, and a very uh, solid piece to any NBA team. So he's going to get some attention, no doubt. But we'll have to see and, you know, what happens as the season unfolds and if the Spurs, like you said, decide to go ahead and keep him and extend him, you know, because they could get him cheaper if they do that rather than just letting him go into free agency, you know, especially with they have like 30 plus mil. Uh, moving forward into the off season, you know that they can use on another player, or you you know choose to to keep some of their players here as well. So a lot of things to keep an eye out on. But one of the things we need to keep an eye on out on is what's going on over at Project Spurs from our our really nice group of writers that we have out there, and from our digital media team such as Paul Garcia here, which I know you're going to be dropping a new episode of the Spurs Cast coming up here shortly. Do you want to give us a little tease of what you know might be talking about? 
Yeah, just continue to talk with the Spurs. We're going to wait till the Spurs play um, uh, the the Raptors, and then after that, we're going to kind of go through an eight game sample, eight game sample size. You know, what does this team look like? Again, I'll probably uh, go through a lot more of the numbers, like what, what, you, what we talked about here, Joe, with the three point shooting, the fact that that's completely changed uh, the 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 uh, the lineup. We you know dealing with injuries, unfortunately, you know they're they're really struggling right now at that part, but they're still winning ball games. Um, that'll be the main the main parts of the Spurs cast. Uh, you know, this this coming week is, is kind of uh, tr- uh, working on that. And then uh, I'm going to have a guest on from another side, another Spurs side. Um, Bruno Passos, one of my good friends from Pounding the Rock. Um, you know, when I used to go to Spurs games in San Antonio, I used to you know hang out with him a lot. And now, fortunately, I don't live in San Antonio anymore. But at least you know it'd be good to catch up with him virtually um, online for that interview. There you go. I'll definitely be tuning in and watching that because Bruno's a good guy, man. He's yeah. been doing his thing over there with uh, Pounding the Rock for quite some time. Mm-hmm. And also make sure you go and follow again Paul Garcia on Twitter. And if you want to follow him, he can follow him at Paul Garcia NBA. Uh, again, great follow, full of stats. If you really want to ask him something that is, it's in regards to the salary cap, what's going on there with the numbers? Paul's your guy. And also make sure that you're following uh, Project Spurs on our YouTube channel, which is at Project Spurs Network TV. Make sure you turn on those notifications, you subscribe, and you like the channel because Paul and the other guys. Uh, there that are there, you know, along with Ben, uh, Benjamin Bornstein and uh, Evan Townsend. You know, we also have one Vicky Vick and and Rocky Garza Jr. doing their thing with the Spurs Rewind and Evan and Ben doing their thing with the Spurs uh, Twitter spaces. You know, got a lot of content out there for you guys. So make sure you definitely go and subscribe, like and share. Turn on those notif- notifications for the Project Spurs YouTube channel. So for Paul Garcia, I'm Joe Garcia. Thank you guys for listening and watching another episode of the two shots podcast and like we always say spread the love stop the hate be kind we're out peace